Welcome to the Athlete Plus Network, and it's the official podcast network of the Institute of Coaching Excellence, a research and educational outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. I'm Kevin Carr, CEO, Proto-CEO, and industry professor at UF, and I serve as the host of the hit show, How I Transition Podcast. The hit show is a podcast devoted to talking to current and former athletes on and off the field, court, track, diamond, whatever, and the special, special people behind the scenes who support elite athletes, the teams, organizations, and their stories to educate our listeners to advance the profession of coaching and supporting athletes. Today, we are delighted. Let me tell you, this is my guy from way, way back to currently. We constantly are in touch. I bring you no other than to the hit show, Mr. Arthur J. Hightower II to the hit show. Welcome to the hit show, Arthur. Hey, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Thank you for the introduction, man. I might need to get you as a hype man. Hey, no no, uh, no problem. I'll, I'll hype you anytime because you're just due and it's worth it because you bring a special expertise. I want to read your bio to our audience. Arthur is someone who has done uh, amazing work. Currently, he assists players often on the field and help them for life after football, he currently serves as the senior director of player development for the Los Angeles Chargers. He continues to oversee continuing education, life skills, financial education, planning, etc., internship. He does it all. He serves also on in the NFL's player uh, continuing education, financial education, player engagement, steering committees. He's also gotten numerous awards. Nonetheless. One called the NFL's Winston Shell Award for his commitment and dedication to developing unique and innovative ideals for his players and for the NFL. Again, I introduce Mr. Arthur J. Hightower II. Arthur, obviously, as you got going in your career path, we 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 actually crossed paths in a couple ways. I, I went to school in Tallahassee at Florida State. And you were at FAMU, actually ended up going to, I believe, grad school. And then, and somehow I, I, I know I heard of you. And then when I had a chance to make a, a early hire, I actually um, crossed paths with you. And we had some time, well, you know, talk a little bit about where were you at in your mindset then? You know, where were you headed? Where were you going in your career? Uh, it's a funny story when it comes to meeting you. So as you mentioned, uh, you're a big time at Florida State. Everybody loved you. And when I went over there to attend graduate school, it's like, hey, Kevin Carr, Kevin Carr, Kevin Carr. So when I got the internship at the NCAA and we went to the N4A and that year was in Austin. And I remember it. And I was like, I got to find out where this Kevin Carr dude is. And I remember calling Michigan State to find out which hotel you're staying at. And I booked my hotel, the same hotel. And then I ran into you. <laughs> I ran into you getting on the elevator. I was like, hey, introduce myself. And, uh, you know, we connected in, in a sense. And then that was funny. It went back. You know, you went back to your position at Michigan State. It went back to my internship and eventually – got hired at University of Maine and we kept in touch. And I'll never forget you you called me one day. It's like, hey man, I'm man, I'm looking to hire for this position. And you're kind of talking to me about the position. And I'm like, 
Uh, you think I want to stay in Maine the rest of my life? I'm like, I'll apply for the position. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, you know, because you were just talking with me, like what you were doing. I was like, Kev, like, I'll apply for the position. So you uh, was like, hey, get your stuff in. And I got a chance to uh, um, apply. And that's when Coach Saban was there. And uh, another uh, a gentleman by the name of Roger Gruders, uh, <laughs> Dr. Gruders, he, he, he worked there, went through the interview process. He's like, Arthur, I really like you, but I think we just need a more experienced guy to work with Coach Saban. And I was like, I thought that was the, I thought that was like the, the nice letdown type deal, right? But Dr. Gruders really meant it. He said, I will do something to help you. So within that week that I got back, he had reached out to his good friend Todd Stansberry. Uh, who was previously just AD at uh, Georgia Tech, and I get a call uh, from Todd. Now, it's a little funny story about that call too, Kevin. So I replaced a guy named Todd. Uh, I interviewed for this job in like December or whatever it was. And so I get this phone call. It's like, hey, how's the weather out there? This is Todd. And I was just like, how do you think the weather is? Because Todd had went to Arizona. He went to Arizona State. So I'm sitting there like, man, you know how the weather is. And I'm talking kind of crazy to him. And then I say, wait a minute. He said his name was Todd, but it don't sound like Todd. And it's like, no, this is Todd Stansberry University of Houston. And I was uh, like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> and so he said, I, yeah, yeah, I was like, whoa, let me clean up a little bit of my language and stuff too, right? So uh, he mentioned that Dr. Gruder said I can't highly recommend it, that he thought I did a great job. And it's the first time they really like when when you talk about the young folks, like relationships really mean something like putting your best foot forward. Uh, just the fact that uh, Dr. Gruders and Todd had a relationship. They reached out to Todd and Todd gave me a call. I flew down there, interviewed. And next thing you know, I was hired at University of Houston. I was moving down there with my family at the time, young family. And we moved down there. So and I got that start. That's awesome. You know, one of the things I'm always, you know, telling people, you never know that one person you meet might be the very person to give you the opportunity of a lifetime. And that's the same thing with Dr. Grudis. He literally, him and I met and he was like, hey, I, I can't give you a job, but I got some jobs. And, you know, if you want to interview one and win one of the positions, you know, it's yours if you win it. And for me, I wasn't even thinking about you know, that profession at the time, but the way he made it sound, it sounded like it was a great fit. And he actually knew something that I didn't about myself that I could adapt. And as long as I was trained and had an open mind, you know, I could go into it. most anything. I was a good, good learner and uh man that changed the trajectory of my entire career. So, you know, kudos to uh Dr. Roger Gruders. He's passed now, but at the same time, yeah. you know, always remembered the good ones. He's definitely one of those. Arthur, when you talk about you and what you've been doing, what are some of the things um, that you're 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 pretty proud of um, in your your years of doing the work that you've you've done? I mean, we're going to get into it a lot more, but are there some things early that you would say? kind of put you in position to be successful in your career? And what are you uh, most proud of in terms of where you are at this point in your career? Well, it, it's hard to just single it out. I think as I begin to reflect, I'm heading into my 19th season with the Chargers. Wow, 19? Did you say 
19 nobody stays in a job 19 years these <laughs> yeah. days come on man especially in sports hey, well, i've been fortunate enough to be 19 with the same organization you know a lot of times you see mm-hmm. coaches they they may have this long of a career but it's been across organizations i've been fortunate enough that the chargers have kept me around going into my life so that's definitely got to be something you're proud of <laughs> oh yeah I'm, I'm definitely proud of that it's let me see it is four of us that have continuously been with the same team this amount of time out of the 32 organizations. Uh, myself, uh, Maurice Kelly, who started the same year I did with the Seattle Seahawks, Eric Ball, who's been with Cincinnati, and then uh, Brian Wansley uh, with the Cowboys. I mean, we have some gentlemen that have just as long tenure of doing this work, but been with like a couple different teams. What's the secret of staying your staying power. I mean, coaches come and go. There's almost like certainty that you've got a shelf life, but you you seem to found something in your ability to be, uh, I would say, a likability factor. Because when people start making changes, sometimes you can be in that that for no other reason. But you seem to be able to weather weather that, and you know, continued fortune, good fortune for you. So talk to us about what what is that about? Well, obviously, you got to know that you can do the job and you do it well and you do it at a high level. The other thing I think I would mention is the uh, genuine and authentic relationships and connections that you make. It goes a long way. Let's go back to the University of Maine. I was an academic advisor there for a year. The incoming freshman class had a uh, student athlete by the name of Stephen Cooper. I get my next job. At the University of Houston, I mentioned that story how I got to the University of Houston. I was there for two two years, and it, there was a gentleman by the name, a student athlete by the name of Hannah Milligan. So I go back to the NCAA. Uh, that I was an intern there in 97, 98, got hired back there, I think it was 2001, to run the internship program that I just came out of or oversee it. And then eventually I got the opportunity to interview with the then San Diego Chargers in 2005. But guess what? Two student athletes were part of the roster at the San Diego Chargers, Stephen Cooper and Hannah Milligan. So when I walked in the wow. building and I was going on my interview and the reception I got from those two guys, I think lent itself to them saying, hey, this they got I have something because I had never worked in the National Football League. And I imagine some of the gentlemen or women that might apply for the position had had experience, but something about that connection. And I think about how when I walked around, I was just would find something I could connect with one of the guys in the locker room with. And I think that piece goes a long way, especially when you're in in sports, because sports is about relationships. You look at about how coaching staffs are put together, whether it's somebody you worked together with before, somebody you played together with before because you want that type of support. You want that type of relationship as you go forward, as you work towards uh, a goal of winning a championship. So, Man, that's that's powerful. And you, you make me think about that's how really how I got to the NBA. Um, I was uh, we had just finished winning the chip with Tom Izzo and I had the guys called the Flintstones. Remember Mo yeah. Pete, uh, yeah. Mateen, Mateen Cleese, Charlie Bell, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things when they all got drafted that year, 
they were with their clubs and they kept saying there's a guy at Michigan State who runs really good programs. I mean, we've been able to do so much at, you know, East Lansing. Y'all need to get him here in the pros. And I I remember on my interview saying, man, there's a couple guys with, you know, Mateen and, and, and Morris uh, Peterson. They love you, man. Like, what, what did you do to them guys at Michigan State? So I, I I sense, you know, that same camaraderie and energy. It's, it's really critical if you know how to get along with your student athletes. They can help you later on, especially if they go into lanes and in what you might intersect and cross with them. You know, they could help you land that next opportunity just because you had great rapport with them. Again, we never know where people are going to end up, right? No, I mean, you don't. And, and that's why I like treating everyone in the same manner or, you know, in a manner that is respectable goes a long way. Because you just never know. And like I listened to your story. And of course, we know each other uh, on a personal level and stuff. Been friends a long time. Like those opportunities sometimes come out, out of other people. Like I can honestly say since I applied, <laughs> I can't even say that. Because even how I got the internship at the NCAA, somebody told me about that. One of my longtime friends mm-hmm. that I grew up with in Fort Lauderdale. I happened to play quarterback at the University of Minnesota when I was up there, but he worked in the marketing department and um, they told him that he should apply for this NCAA internship program. But he said he got a job at Coca-Cola and said, hey, Art, you want to do this? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try it. But the deadline had passed. So, Kevin, I kept that blank application in my apartment in my utensil drawer. So I would remind myself not to miss the deadline that following year. Of course, I had moved and transferred schools and I still waited till the last day to get the, the application in, right? So, but I got, <laughs> but I, but I, but I got it in. And then just to tell you, like how we, we just hitting off of like what how relationships mean. I was at the NCA. I'm an intern in '97, '98. I ran into a gentleman by the name of Sean Fraser. He's the uh, athletic director at ooh, I think it's Northern Illinois right now. He's at the University of Maine. He, he was observing how it worked. He said, hey, I think I'll have a job opening. I'd like for you to apply. I didn't know anything about that job. So I applied at Maine, got that job. Told you how I went to Michigan State, didn't get that job, but Rock, Mr. Gruders reached out to Todd Stansbury, got that job. And then my previous uh, mentor, uh, her name is Rochelle Collins, she was telling me about she was looking kind of like conversation like you. You just calling, hey, I'm looking to hire somebody, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Rochelle, how about me? She's like, I just thought you really loved it in Houston and stuff. So I applied for that position. I get that position. And then uh, with the Chargers position, we were running this uh, NFL NCAA football academy and a gentleman by the name of Guy Troop. A guy and I were working on an NFL NCAA football academy, and we had just concluded this academy. We're just sitting around at my desk about to go to dinner. He says, hey, you still want to do player engagement because he used to work in the league office. I said, mm-hmm. yeah. He says, two positions open. And at the time, it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and San Diego Chargers. And here I am. I'm a native of Florida. I was excited about Tampa. He said, but I got a better connection with the job in California. And I was like, okay. And we picked up the phone through our time difference, talked to my current still uh, supervisor, Ed McGuire, said, give me your stuff. And I came out to the charges and that's where I've been. So like those relationships mean a lot. Like I I have not literally applied for a job that I saw online since then, because a lot of people, they observe you 
and they know you, not just like, let me get your card. They get a chance to know you. They'll help you get in a position to be where you want to be. Wow. Super powerful, man. Such a good uh, segment there. I got to focus on your background and what you think of when you played compared to and the status of HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Recently at your alma mater, Chad Ochocinco was hired by FAMU as an athletics ambassador and consultant. How do you think HBCUs, especially athletics department, can make more progress and advance as a whole? We're seeing some things happen, but what do you what do you like about that hire? And what do you think overall about you know the whole HBCU movement and things are going seemingly in a great direction? What what do you think about that? for it to continue to scale? First, I love any ambassador of the orange and green at, at any day. So <laughs> you know, you know, I bleed orange and green. I wear powder blue and gold, but I bleed orange and green. So at that, like, it's, it's good to have somebody like that. Somebody that's very passionate about our school yeah. that has such a public platform because nowadays, like, social media and likes and the broad audience means so much. To bring brand recognition, to bring focus, to bring spotlight to certain aspects of, like, let's say, university or athletics department. And right now, you know, and shout out to Coach um, Deion Sanders Prime. I mean, what he was able to bring as a spotlight with himself as an ambassador, put himself in that position, like, more people do know about HBCUs in the sense of, like, more publicly because of who he is. I mean, HBCUs have always been able to produce such legends like Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, um, uh, James Shaq Harris, a, a lot of guys. And then my my former head coach who just got inducted, Ken mm. Riley, oh, yeah. to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, yeah, we, we, you know, Bullet Bob Hayes, you know, I got to give a shout out to all the Rattlers that's in the Hall of Fame, right? So it, it goes, a, uh, goes a long way. So when you have that now, it, it links itself to the spotlight that HBCUs have and that young men that had opportunity or young women that had opportunity to continue their careers can really consider going to school there. That's uh, outstanding. And you, you represent uh, one of the finest graduates I personally know and has really continued to carry the mantle and you continue to do that. So I'm proud of you, man. I know FAMU is proud of you and uh, continue to to move in that great professional direction that you're going. With that being said, man, uh, when we talk about something that we're really created here at, you know, with Pro to CEO and UF, we we focused on a report most recently. We shared it with you. We're actually one of the first people that we're actually talking about, which is called the Pro to CEO report. And it's a report that we designed to really focus on the transition particularly around athletes and how well they do in their post careers and current athletes, college, and even down to amateur. We did a particular feature on the top NFL post-career transitions. We wanted to get someone who has a NFL background. You are someone who has seen so many players come and go, come and go, come and go. I'm sure you could name, you know, thousands of players, uh, but your perspective on this, we really value because we did some intensive research on the top 20 athletes who have transitioned and really done extremely well. And one 
that really tops the list here. Obviously, affectionately, a University of Florida graduate, Emmett Smith, he hits number 20, but we've gotten all the way to number one with Roger Staubach. In your mind, you yeah. read this after reading the Pro to CEO report. What's your take on this list and our findings? What, what I take is the fact that Obviously, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the list because if you think about it, they start off as CEOs when they come to an organization. They start garnering CEO experience from day one. I mean, because, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you're the face of the franchise. Everybody knows who the quarterback of their favorite team is. It's not a fan that doesn't know who their quarterback is. And from that, there are different conversations, different people that you're exposed to that allow yourself, if you take the opportunity, to gain that type of CEO experience and put you into different conversations of different businesses. So what I did notice, there are only three defensive players in the top 20. Okay. All right. Wow, so, that's a good point. Yeah, it's only three Why do you think that? Uh, well, I think because it's a – when you think of your fans – of, of the game. You think of the rule changes to the game. It's built around the offense. Like first and foremost is the protection of the players, right? To protect them so they can perform at a high level. But then it's to promote the game. And then you promote the game through like offense. Nobody's going to sit around and wants to watch a 6-3 game. I mean, it's cool, but if you get the victory, mm-hmm. but most people want to see the scoreboard lit up. You want to see somebody in the end zone doing mm-hmm. their thing, or you want to see uh, what they're known, known for. You want to see, you know, uh, my man Gritty and, uh, you know, all the little dances, Justin Jefferson, right? You want to see that type of stuff. You want to <laughs> see Austin Eckler stringing the guitar. You want to see Keenan Allen doing whatever he does. He changes up from week to week. That's what happens. So a lot of people know offensively what it is, but defensively it's just different in the mindset because it's just aggressive. I think uh, the three defensive players, if I could memory serve me correct, I know it's Ray Lewis. Michael Strahan, and uh, it'll come to me. I think those are the some of the things that, that stand out. Like when you have the quarterbacks, they, they already have that intuitiveness or it's brought to them a little bit. So I just it just right, made me look right. and say, you know, I got to get some of my defensive guys just thinking about it. And, and, and what I did notice that, especially with the number one guy, right, Roger Staubach, we're old enough to remember Roger Staubach, right, telling my age. But mm-hmm. the fact that, I <laughs> know, <laughs> huh? but the fact that he began doing this during his playing career, and that's an important part to current professional athletes. It's like take the opportunity to start your next career while you're in this career, because this this career is definitely coming to an end. There's no senior football league that we turn on and watch. Uh, nobody wants to see that at all, right? It's just right now <laughs> you <laughs> you have a, you have a space and a time to make sure that you utilize so it helps propel you to what you'll probably be doing the rest of your career. And much as, you know, Captain Comeback, Roger Staubach, he quarterbacked the Dallas Cowboys for those t- just 10 years. That's what he played, 10 years or 11 seasons or something of that nature. He's been doing mm-hmm. he's been doing what he's been doing now much longer and has made much more money doing that. So that's what right. we try to impart into – our guys now just saying, hey, whatever you do next, you would do longer than you play. Now, eventually, Tom Brady, you know, even him in his 23 season, at some point, he's going to be 23 years of doing something else. 
so many guys when they transition out just to know that that's that's what's waiting for you and it starts now man you you definitely hit it on the nail we we like uh that perspective and we appreciate it how do you think in a sense uh the report can be used by players and athlete development people who are in this lane currently and they're talking to players like you do all the time or even if it's at the college level and you see players aspiring how how do you believe the players and athlete development specialists can benefit from this report? Well, like myself, I was looking through noticing the different aspects, whether it's, it's the position, whether it's race, whether it is offensive, defensive side of the ball, uh, when they started their career, as far as social media. Uh, I think I actually think you'll probably see today's athletes probably a lot that take advantage of it grow more. Because of social media, uh, when I started position in two thousand five, a lot of these social—I mean, I don't, I don't believe Instagram was around. I think Facebook was might have just been around. I think the biggest thing here in two thousand five was like Napster, you know, <laughs> copy, <laughs> copying music, right? And who's heard of Napster today, right? So that's the that's the biggest thing, and 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 people still are trying to pronounce Twitter, Twitter. Uh, saying it like that because you know is it a tweet is it a tweet yeah. or what have you but yeah look at that the advance of that going through so i think today's athletes are going to be able to do that and it probably begins now in college because also the report talks about the nils you talk talk about the number of student mm-hmm. athletes that are earning six and seven figures now in college think about what type of relationship that could possibly be 20 years from now so a lot of them are starting now. So that's that's a good deal. And it's just a matter of those in our position to kind of grow with that and understand that and, and help navigate them along on that path. You mentioned those in our position. You know, how how do you think leadership has to step up to, to meet the demands of today's players and, because they're changing? How do you think leadership and management and people who want to be in this space, what what do we have to be preparing ourselves? So we see the student athlete and pro athlete landscape changing all the time. It's just a matter of like, I think the continuing education of it, like the continuing education. I mean, that's just one aspect, not saying that that's the, the correct answer. It's just the one aspect, mm-hmm. like I educate myself on the NIL is coming in. It's a continuous deal that somebody has, and they probably be a little bit more knowledgeable of the tax situation when they come in now because now they're they're having to file taxes, and that's something that before we would always have to go through. But now most might understand it, and and they might even understand some advantages of how to write off different things, or might have different purchases and, and real estate and, and some other things. So being able to continue to educate yourself and grow in the field, like recognize what are the changes uh, that are coming forth. Like, so me understanding that I may already have a million dollar Ricky and it's not because he signed this contract. It's because he literally already has a million dollars in the bank and he's done it in a way that he's grown himself professionally. I mean, I looked at the young man from Norfolk State. Mr. NIL, I read that. Uh, I think it was Raekwon. Raekwon. Raekwon Smith. Like 66 or 71 deals. Like he is, he is working it. He is working it to the point where, you know, beyond whether his collegiate career allows him to continue at the National Football League level, 
he has put himself in position to really continue to earn himself a, a good income and earn himself a fine career doing whatever he chooses to do. He's dubbed last year King of NIL, so we certainly are seeing changes in the entire industry as a result of name, image, and likeness. And that's something that you brought a perspective from a pro standpoint that you will have guys coming in the door a lot differently now and how you have to think about, you know, is this athlete going to add anything entirely different in terms of how he shows up coming in? And I imagine it. It's still the same principles apply, making an NFL off the field that you're going to have to have. What would you say still applies no matter what you come into the door with at the NFL as someone who's developing athletes? I would say exactly almost what you said, Kevin. It's, it's kind of like math. Like the f- formulas are formulas, right? You can plug in different numbers. You can do whatever you want to do. But if you know the formula, you're going to end up getting the right answers according to the numbers that are put into that equation. So it's the same same thing. Like if you, as a student athlete that's transitioning into a professional athlete, understands the formula that got you to where you were, once you plug in the factors that you need to the professional level, it's going to equal out that answer to whatever factors that you put into it. So that's when education comes in part too, right? <laughs> hey, you know, it is bothering nah, me that I can't remember this third person in the top twenty. I really want to pick. Is, is it is it is that honorable mention? Uh, Charles Woodson. I don't or no? think it was. Char- I, don't, it? I don't think it was honorable. I think it actually was a solid third person. I'm, I'm Strahan and Ray Lewis. <laughs> But it is bothering me, and I'm going to pick up this report and look. Is it, uh, what is that, Indame oh, That's right. It is. It is. Oh, I knew it was a defensive back. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Okay. That is. We got to give him his props. pronounce the name. I was not going to leave him out. I was not. I was like, listen, if I started talking about three, I have to mention three. So, yeah. Now the Asawa. Yeah. That's it. Yes, yes, and uh, and what and he's doing a phenomenal job. He's ranked 18th on our list. Absolutely. Um, if you haven't checked out the Protoceo report, you must uh, check it out. And for those who are working with athletes, a must to share how athletes are really um, making headway post career and doing really big things. And if you're not on it, it's something to shoot for, right, Art? Yeah, absolutely. That's the top 20 you definitely want to be on. <laughs> love it, love it. One of the things I'm also passionate about, like you, is being um, being a dad. And we haven't talked oh, yeah. about it much here, but you know, as a father myself, crazy schedules, you know, traveling for a couple of days at a time, etc. How do you balance being a father and a working professional? Because that may come in this profession, especially sports. It's hard to balance it. Yeah, you know, at the time when I entered into the professional ranks, I had two young daughters. So, you know, your spouse, they, they come into play and they have to be thankful and you have to be on one accord with them as you navigate this space. When I first started my career period, I didn't have any. And as a matter of fact, my oldest daughter, she was born while I was an intern. My wife and I is in Kansas. Uh, she is my intern baby. And then when I moved to Indianapolis, worked for the NCAA the second time, uh, my youngest daughter, Arielle, uh, was born. So 
I was two for two with the NCAA having children. Uh, it's my son that, that, that messed it up. He he was born while working for the Chargers, right? But uh, but they all were born uh, while working professionally in in different teams, and um, I'm extremely proud of them. My oldest daughter, Alexandria, uh, she's an account manager for a pharmaceutical company. Graduated with honors in biology. Oh, wow. uh, my youngest daughter. Ariel, she graduates this spring. Uh, she's doing exceptionally well in technical theater. And then my son, he's a sophomore in high school, up and coming, rising volleyball player in the state of California. So I really, I really enjoy that. That's awesome, man. You know, a lot of players, and I experienced this as a vice president of player programs at the NBA during this time, a lot of players come into your organization as fathers already. Or, or experience, you know, fatherhood while they're playing. You know, what, what advice do you have to offer to athletes adding that title of father to them? And then the people who support them, you know, what can you say to them to help that transition go smooth as it possibly can? It's always going to be a little bumpy because it's such a big transition. It is a huge transition. I mean, if you think about some of the life index transitions that are pretty challenging, is life, is death. It's marriage, it's divorce, and it's having kids, and it's relocating. They're like the top five. And you can experience all of that as a professional athlete, as a young person. I mean, talking about relocating to another city, you may have a spouse, may not have a spouse, may have a child. So entering in, just understanding that that does bring about change. And sometimes you might need to talk to somebody, a team clinician or mental health professional, as you navigate those changes, or just somebody experienced that's gone through those changes before. Finding someone who's done that to help you navigate that path or give you something to look out for. So uh, with that, being a father, getting many young fathers, just understanding their profession and what it means to navigate it like your commitment to yourself, because when you come become a father, and, and you know this, Kevin, it gives you a new sense of purpose of your walk. Now you have somebody that's looking back at you, and you have a different meaning to your why. So that's how I would talk about transitioning to fatherhood, is that you have a new why, and seek out the mentorship and the mentors that have gone through that why, so they can help you navigate it, and you can get the answer that you need. Wow. So, so um, poignant and we appreciate that. One of the things, obviously you had so many highs, but talk, talk about a point in your career where maybe it wasn't perfect, where it wasn't ideal. I mean, you've had some stories here you've given us and all been great. Well, has there been any challenge in your career? Has there been any times where you had to say professionally, man, I'm not, I'm not sure about this one. I'm or this or that. Have you, have you felt that? And what, what strategy or strategies or who did you use to help you get through that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I smile, right? But it's been it's been some times it's been some tears, right? So uh like before I got to the NCA the second time, I always had to work two jobs. I always had a second job. So when I was an intern oh, wow. at, oh yeah, I was an intern at NCA because at the end of the day you need you need to meet some financial obligations and it's it is a challenge living at some point. So, and, but it goes back to something my dad said, son, I remember this was 13 years old. He said, if you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And it didn't really hit me until I started working up, waking up every day to start living my dream in the career athletics, because I never got tired of it. Never was frustrated by it. Uh, the things you could be frustrated about, you know, like financially or certain income. 
you know, I had the ability to do something with. So when I was an intern at the uh, NCAA, I also worked for uh, the Disney catalog. So I answered calls placing, uh, taking Disney catalog orders, right? So I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was funny. I remember I never got, I got John Elway's wife at the time that called there for order. And I thought that was really cool, right? So uh, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> As I, I was at Maine, a, a moonlight at a bowling alley because I'm an avid bowler. And I did the same thing at Houston. And then I finally got to where my second stint at the, at the NCAA. Didn't really have to do a second job. I did. Uh, my wife, had, we our combined incomes had done something. My wife had time. And uh, so it, it, was, it, was, it was cool. And then now just doing it, focusing singly on a position. So it, it's it was good, but you're going to go through those little bit of hardships to say, okay, do I want to stick around with this? Because I mentioned I was a graphic arts print management major. Like my first job opportunity coming out of college back in 1995 was, well, $33,000. So, I mean, you equate that, that's a heck of a lot of money back then, right? But here I was, I went and took an <laughs> right, internship right. for 17, half that, you know, chasing a dream, so to speak. So, but it's a dream that I was passionate about and dream that I was willing to go after. So that was probably some of my biggest hardships. I remember the turn of the century, year 2000, being in an apartment in Houston with just an air mattress. That's all we had because we were moving and all the stuff hadn't come yet. I'm just waiting for weeks on that. I'm trying to think of other things, but I'm telling you, your passion a lot of times, Kevin, just carries you through. There's going to be mm-hmm. times going to be tough supervisor, tough moments, tough seasons, or what have you. But when you really have a passion for what it is that you do, uh, it just carries you through. And something along the line will give you a spark or re-energize you. And like I mentioned, it'll bring you back to your original why there was lowercase. So you come back and you look at your family and it, it gives you that uppercase why. Yeah, that's perfect, man. I I can't even tell you how strong that is. Um, Your lowercase or your uppercase, your uppercase really speaks to your passion. That's powerful. Um, One of the things we like to do before we get to close of closing the hit show is the speed round. So get ready, get some water. We're going to go through this. And what happens is give you very short uh, one, one word responses. If you can and give us uh, your, your ideas behind each of these questions. Ready, set, go. How would your friends describe you, Arthur, in one word? Outgoing. All right. Who famous in terms of person would you most like to have dinner with? Michael Jordan. Mountains or visiting beaches? Beaches. (laughs) What songs are on your workout playlist? Just name one. Right above it, Lil Wayne. What is your idea of relaxation? Long drives. What is the last good movie you watched? I'll just go with the last movie I just saw, (laughs) Creed 3. All right. What is a motto you try to live by? The one I shared with you. Find something you love to do. You never work a day in your life. Okay. Where is your favorite place to vacation? The Bahamas. Who was your favorite football player since you played the game growing up? And who's your favorite player today? That's a two-part answer. (laughs) Wow. I'm going to start with uh, today. 
is going to be everybody in the Los Angeles Chargers locker room. <laughs> all right. Front, man. They're my favorite players, period. Those are all my favorite players. Growing up back in the day, I, I, was, a, I was a huge Dolphin fan, so I got to go with Marino. That was my dude. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. You just finished the speed round, Arthur. Listen, we're so delighted to have had you on the hit show. I want to leave uh, our audience with one last thought from you in terms of your advice or insights, et cetera. What would you say to someone who's sitting there and saying, you know, man, Arthur made it. He's the man. He's worked for Chargers almost 20 years. I can't possibly, possibly be him. I can't possibly get to somewhere like an NFL or even, you know, a big time college or, you know, go and have a dream of having my own business. What would you say to that person who's aspiring now or who needs to make a career change or transition of some sort? What would be some of your lasting words here, Arthur? I would say start off with being the best version of you and whoever you are. Because you just never know. I never said that I wanted to work for the Los Angeles Chargers. I just kind of put out there, chase the fact that one day I want to be a part of a world championship, uh, NBA or NFL. And I just started working towards it. I found first what it is that I was good at. I was good at academics. I was good at building relationships. And that created room for me. You have ability to, your, your, your gift creates that room for you. And where you're going to go and the people that you run into. I mean, I think about like just you, just meeting you at that elevator in Austin, Texas, and then just how far you have come yourself. Mm-hmm. And like what you're doing here with Pro to CEO is amazing. And then just where my career has taken me and just living, living our current dream and we're still living our dream. So just don't never give up on your passion and allow your gifts to make room for you. Man, that's super powerful. and We appreciate you and the time. We want to thank you, Art, for that amazing insight and answer that you uh, gave our audience for a lasting inspiration. I want to thank your organization, the LA Chargers, and you most of all as a dear uh, profession and a high achieving professional. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You're making us proud. We don't like to end the hit show without our signature outro. I'm Kevin Carr, and you are... I'm Arthur J. Hightower II. And you've listened to us on the hit show. Art has made so many great transitions. He's going to continue to do so. We want to thank our host and producer, Colin, and the University of Florida College of Health and Human Performance, helping us reach our athletes, reach our professionals and advancing the profession in terms of coaches and athletes and supporting the athletes. So we thank you and you have heard the hit show. This podcast is a production of Athlete Plus, the people, stories, and science behind elite athletes and teams. Athlete Plus is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research, education, and outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. The Institute for Coaching Excellence offers various online certificate programs and degrees in partnership with the Department of Sport Management. Learn more today at coaching.hhp.ufl.edu.